This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back. Welcome into Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casazza. Today, this will be a basketball broadcast. Previously this week, Q&A episode, promising basketball, focused on football. Followed up, a little Rem Baker supposition, if you will. If he gave us the keys, what would we fix? Today, basketball. It's about that time, Chris Anderson. Eight and two on the verge of the top 25 once already this season. Maybe there again before long. Healthy rankings in the net and Kempom. But there's always a but, isn't there? Always, always, always. And I think it's a, a healthy but. It's a healthy discussion. And, and a good point. And I wish we... Could find out specifically who asked the question, but a couple people have brought it up, and, and I think it's worth discussing. How is this year different? The reason that question is asked is because West Virginia started eleven and one last year. Eleven and one. I don't really recall if they were like in the verge of being top twenty-five as well. I think most people maybe kind of knew they weren't uh, facing the toughest schedule um, or saw the flaws. At the same time, but yes, yeah, started 11 and one actually, you know, then won two of their first three conference games. So they were 13 and two and, and already started two and one in conference play and then ended 16 oh. and 17 and four and 14. So in their the second half of that season, they went three and 14 to end the year, including two and 13 in conference play. Yeah, don't forget, like, they had that okay start to conference play, and then they won a game in the conference tournament, too. So a lot of their wins they bookended in the middle was, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't great. I would not call it a uh, a jelly sandwich or anything <laughs> like that. No, so, so Mike, how is it different? How's it different? Give, give us, give, give everybody hope. Why, why are, why is West Virginia not going to lose? Uh, what is this? 14 of 15 
Yes, 14 of 15 at some point this season. Well, hold on one second. Let me uh let me undo this button. <clears throat> uh, knuckles cracked. Guys are making shots. All right. Well, that'll do it for the podcast. Thanks for joining. Uh next time. I'm wait, no, you say that. You say I'm Mike says I say yeah. I'm Chris Anderson. It's it's silly. It may only amuse a couple of us, but it's true. They are making shots this year. They're scoring like they have not scored before. They already have more games, 80 points, than they had all last season. So 80 is an upper echelon number for an average, and that'll certainly lower when they get there. But to already be what took them an entire season to accomplish last season, that says something here. And their points are coming from different scores too. What I mean by that is it's not just give it to Sherman and give it to McNeil and hope that they can bomb some threes, but you have perimeter people, you have perimeter people who shoot, perimeter people who drive. You have forwards who can flash outside and forwards who can score inside. You also have a big guy you can give it to. They they really can score from multiple levels here. And and just to to start us off here, Chris, just more competent offensively. Yeah, I want to get into the the depth part of that here in a minute, but just um, to generalize, uh, to put in perspective, the, the shooting percentages uh, going field goal, you know, what you shoot from the floor, free throw, and three point. Uh, for essentially the last four years, five years maybe, it's been 40, 70, 30. 40% from the floor, 70% from the line, 30% from three. All kind of bad so far this year 50 74 37 like is that sustainable no i don't think so i don't think they're gonna shoot 50 percent through big 12 play i don't think they're gonna shoot you know almost 40 percent uh playing the a big 12 conference schedule and a tough sec team uh, in the big 12 sec challenge but i think they've got enough of a head start and and they've shown that they could do something offensively that it won't be what it's been the past five years. And I think you can say pretty definitively that the offense is better this year. And so let's stick there because to your point, and you wrote about this, you asked about this, you wrote about it. There's options like guys, like Eric Stevenson in this past game was bad. He's just like, I mean, I think he ended up with eight points, but, he got in foul trouble, got frustrated. It wasn't his best game, and it didn't matter. Even though they were playing against a, a top 50, you know, Ken Palm team, likely NCAA tournament team, it did not matter. And there have been other times where, you know, Trey Mitchell had an off night, didn't matter. Uh, Emmett Matthews had an off night, didn't matter, because other people were stepping up. And I think that's the most important thing because it wasn't uh, – Taz was off tonight, so you're screwed. Or McNeil wasn't making deep shots, so you were screwed. There, there, there are actual legitimate – I don't know if we want to go so far as to say a plethora of options, but you can spread it around and find guys to find baskets when you need them instead of relying on one, maybe two people. Yeah, so I don't want to throw it in reverse for a second, but I don't want to lose the thread of what you just said because what you said was good. A season ago, if McNeil and Sherman didn't have it, it was deflating 
for everybody for two reasons. One, they didn't have it. And two, they kept shooting because they had to. You really started the season looking at McNeil, Sherman, Jalen Bridges. And you would kind of hope that Isaiah Cottrell would get it at some point in the season and that Malik Curry would get it at some point in the season. Did not and did happen. Um, trouble is that Bridges just never really elevated. So it could have been a four or five man offense, probably under ideal scenarios. Was a two man offense that could not exist when Malik Curry came on the scene. What I mean by that is he was so ball dominant that he got his points on drives and free throws and he was not in the great assist guy. So that wasn't going to tie him to McNeil and Sherman, which were your offensive strengths. And obviously Cottrell and um, Bridges never had a lot going last year like they were supposed to. So very limited and then just never evolved. This year, you have different point guards, you have different shooters, you have different forwards. And also legitimately, Chris, when Jimmy Bell is out there, you have five people who can get you points. You could not say that last year. And not only can you say that this year, I think that would be a surprise to a lot of people because they didn't know they were going to get out of the five. It does not exist with James Oconquo and Muhammad Wagi right now, but Bell's not taking a lot of shots. He's not missing either. He's not forcing stuff. They they don't have that awful entry pass turnover as often anymore. He gets it on the offensive glass, but he gets handoffs too. Um, he can score. Like There's a chance for them to have five scores on the floor. That wasn't the case last year. Why is the scoring so important this year? Obviously, more, more points wins, but they're not rebounding it as well. So teams are getting more shots and more chances. West Virginia getting fewer chances also because they're making more shots, but their defense isn't especially good either yet. Last season, when they went south in a hurry, here are the points they allowed in some of these losses. 85, 77, 78, 72, 77, 81, 60. Probably should win when you give up 60 points, but a good team that has a bad defense can win giving up 72, 77 sometimes. And West Virginia can do that this year. Later on that season, 81, 78, 71, 77, 84, 82, 72. Losses, all of them. I do feel like this is a team that can get into the, the high 70s, 80s sometimes if it's not going to have a great defense and rebounding night, which that may be the, the sketches they have to perform for a while. But if you're scoring a little bit better and a little more often, you're not as pressed by the defense and the rebounding deficiencies. I like I like your 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 point earlier about the the offensive options last year and kind of the last couple of years. Out of these five players, who I guess we're calling starters, mostly play like out of this these this rotation from last year. Tell me how many of these guys are able to create their own shot, score on their own. You just give them the ball and let them score. Taz Sherman? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sean McNeil? Mm. Not, not really, I don't think. I mean, Hugs said it himself. Like, you just get up in him and that's it. Like, yep. I mean, he said that publicly after a game. You get up close to him, that's it. Malik Curry, yes, but to your point earlier – almost to a detriment he creates his own shot uh jalen bridges no kedrian johnson he's getting better out of it he was okay at it last year uh so maybe half there gabe no 
Cottrell, no. Polycap, no. Kerrigan, no. Like, was that nine guys? And you got one surefire shot creator, point scorer, and then two maybes. Mm-hmm. This year, you give the ball to Stevenson, he can shoot it. He can score it. He doesn't need somebody to set him up to score. Trey Mitchell doesn't need somebody to set him up to score. Toussaint doesn't need someone to set him up to score. Matthews, maybe a little bit. I don't think he's as much of a shot creator as, as some of these other guys. Um, but he's been a little more active and can get his own points some this year than I think in previous. Uh, Kedrian, again, you know, same players last year, maybe a little bit better this year or so far has been. To your point on Bell, he can, you give him the ball and he can score. It's not fancy. It's not crazy. It's something we talked about a couple of weeks ago where I said, what I like so much about him is he just says, I'm big. I'm strong. I go over my left shoulder with my right hand and it's going to go in if I'm close to the basket. That's it. Like you don't have to get cute when you are that big and that strong and you get that close to the basket. That's all you need to do. And that's all he has done. Like even last game, like, you know, what is he, has he missed a shot in like the last couple of games? And he just goes over his left shoulder. He gets close to the basket. He goes over his left shoulder and he does a little jump hook when he gets it in the post or, you know, obviously getting little dump offs on, on screen and rolls or rebounds and dunking. That's all you need to do when you're that big. So I think having all of these options and having a big guy who can just finish around the rim this offense just changes completely, or at least it changes what West Virginia can do offensively. What do you think of the schedule so far? I pointed out because beat UAB in December. That feels good. They had a pretty good win against UConn last year. I don't, I don't see a win like that right now. UAB is their best one, but Florida looks like a good opponent. because It's a power five, but I don't know. Is that different than like beating Clemson last year? You had the Marquette loss last year. You have the Xavier loss this year. I'm forcing comparisons here a little bit, but is this harder? Is this a better source of preparation? Should you feel better about what follows because of what preceded it this year? Good question, because that, that UConn game was a solid win. I mean, I know they were ranked top 15 at the time, but and they remain – top 15 ish top 25 ish you know they were they were a good team they they won what 20 some games um so that wasn't like a game that they won and then we found out later they stunk uh is this year's better than last year's like i think man i mean it's not that much i mean they've played some tougher opponents like purdue's purdue is far better than anything they've faced last year xavier might be up there with some good teams they face UAB similar last year uh, with, with, and now Penn hasn't ended up being that good, but weren't they supposed to be like a team that was an Ivy league contender? Yeah. And they played without their best player, 20 points a game that night. Yeah. And I know that's not saying a lot being, you know, an Ivy league contender, like that's not going to make, you know, be too big of a resume builder, but it's at least something. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the schedule's not that much tougher. I don't think maybe a little bit, but as far as what, what what big wins does West Virginia have? I don't think any of their wins yet is as big as the UConn one last year. No, but you're right. They have seen better competition. I Man, I 
I like that Xavier team. I think that's going to be a feisty team in the tournament too, because they can score so much to have offensive firepower. Um, small sample here, but they're two and one in neutral courts. They're one and one in road games. Chris, all of last season, they were three and two in neutral courts and one and 10 in road games. So oh. already matched their road total last year in just two games and one away from road neutral. So um, that's pretty good there too. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Defensively, mm. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like they're going to fix the ball screen thing here. And I think part of it is figuring out who is going to be in their backcourt and what they're going to do. They're going to get ball screen a lot, I think, at the play the two point guards just because of a size deficiency. But um, those two point guards could be kind of tricky to mess with. And then we haven't mentioned this. If they add a 6'5", 220-pound guard here in a couple of days, Jose Perez, they're going to be bigger in the backcourt. And you can do a whole bunch of different stuff with your combinations there, too. But anyways, defensively, they're engineered to possibly do different things. They haven't really played hardly any zone yet. I don't think I've seen zone at all. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember it. They do extend and trap a little bit. They don't really press. Sometimes they will just to disrupt you. But with the number of players that they have, there is some depth potential there. I just think that they're so confounded by ball screens, straight line drives, and just organic half-court defense that they're not trying to be too exotic until they fix that. I just happen to like their personnel. Like I think Butler, excuse me, Bell, has a, a chance to be a good backstop on defense. He might not block a ton of shots, but you're going to know he's there, and you're going to have to deal with him. And then Matthews and Mitchell, good length and agility, smart players, veterans. The the guards, not great defenders outside of Kedri and Johnson, but Tucson, Stevenson, kind of like a Kobe Johnson gives you sometimes when he's in there too. Perez will help. There, there's a chance to mix and match some things to be tall 
or quick or aggressive and maybe even switch on the perimeter there too. I just can't believe that a Bob Huggins team is going to be this bad defensively in back-to-back seasons when he has so much more talent and experience, more importantly, to work with this year. Yeah, I think they got options. I like the uh, having options is always a good thing. Um, again, kind of building off your story from the other day of having plans and backup plans and everything. If if you don't get backed into a corner of these are the guys I have to play or I have to play this style, that that's not just for offense. That's for defense too. And I think West Virginia has some options on defense that they can kind of um, move pieces around, try different lineups, and again. It, when you add Perez, like I don't think people understand what it's like to have a six five, maybe six six kind of point guardish, wingish type guy that can do that stuff. That that's game changing type stuff, like combination there, uh, offensively and defensively. So it, it could really make things interesting. And uh, you know, I'm not expecting him to get eligible and then all of a sudden West Virginia is going to have a top 25 defense start looking like Tennessee or Mississippi state out there holding teams under 50 points every game. But I do think he can help, you know, tweak some things and give them some other options that'll help. Negative defensive performance rating, according to Evan Miyakawa, all four years of college ramp. That'll be tough. Um, I do think he's going to be offensively, a plus because he's so good at getting into the paint. All the highlights I've watched, he's just, he's just very good at getting from the perimeter to the elbow and then from the elbow to the baseline. So spin moves, fakes, he's going to get to the foul line a lot. He was number four in the country in free throw attempts and free throw makes last season. So um, maybe he gives it up on the other end, but he's going to probably going to find a way to get points too. Finally, Chris, the schedule the rest of the way. This is the concern. The Big 12 is tough. It's better than it was last year, right? What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the most recent, maybe not the most recent, but maybe two weeks ago, nine teams were either in the NCAA tournament projection or maybe like one of them was like first four out or something like that. Yeah. So it's it's a deep, deep league. And can you be deep and top heavy at the same time? I think that's probably the explanation, but the top is also deep. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Because so one, might... one reason the big 12 is better is that West Virginia is better this year too. That helps. Um, I'm not sure what to think of Kansas state. And it looks like Oklahoma state is maybe your, maybe your basement team here. Um, that's a first year coach at Kansas state. Who's probably got a schedule record so far. Just, good games then to win and get some confidence early and then Oklahoma State but man they could bank two wins there on the road to start but then Chris back to back Saturday Wednesday at home Kansas Baylor um, Kansas on a Saturday night in Morgantown students could be back for that and then um, I'm just going to say the Baylor game is going to be noisy we're going to know a lot about this team in the first four games of Big 12 play yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, they're Kansas, Saturday the 7th, um, top 10 team. Baylor currently 11, looks like what I'm looking at here. You know, so they might be top 10 by that point. And Texas is top 10. I Auburn, TCU, goodness gracious. Like all that, January, like just January as a whole. At Oklahoma State, number eight, Kansas, number 11, Baylor, at Oklahoma, number 21 TCU, number seven Texas, at Texas Tech, who's not ranked, 
despite having, you know, pretty good, pretty good team, pretty good history. Uh, number 19, Auburn at number 21, TCU. That is what six ranked games, ranked opponents in the span. Well, from the seventh to the 31st. So six ranked opponents in 24 days. And that's not including Texas Tech or Oklahoma. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 is going to be difficult, obviously. You interrupt it with Auburn. That's no fun, too. Here's the, the way the schedule works out. You have home, road, road, home, home. So you knock out two on the road, and then you stay home. Their final 14, though, Chris, road, home, home, road, home, road. Home, home, road, road, home, home, road, road, home. Um, that's home and roads, right? Every like it was home, home, then road, road. Those home and roads are travels. And then I'm kind of like surprised and and curious about what happens here. Their final three weekends of the season, their final six games are Saturday, Mondays. Road home. Home road, road home, travels. That's tough. Like, I don't know what they're going to do about that one. Like, that's going to be a stressor at the end of the season there. Those Saturday Mondays are difficult, but when you're home for two of them and then you're traveling for two of them, um, you're you're on planes a lot. Those are at the end of the schedule. There's a cool thing there because it's tournament preparation, and this team may want to have that experience. You have a lot of practice time in between the Monday and Saturday games too, but, man, that's a grind at the end of the season too. Yeah, and they may say that they want to have that for experience until they're finishing uh, a game at Allen Fieldhouse at eight o'clock on a Saturday night, and then having to a bus, I guess, or a quick flight over to Ames, landing around midnight, one a.m., or getting to your hotel in Ames on midnight, one a.m. on Sunday doing some walkthroughs on like a hotel ballroom floor before having to play a nine o'clock game at Iowa state and then getting back to Morgantown at 4 AM maybe, and then immediately going to class. Yay. (laughs) Cincinnati cannot get to the big 12 fast enough. I think for them, that sounds miserable. So we like this team. And postseason potential, I think how they navigate the Big 12 is going to be the difference here, which leads me to this, Chris. This is a question that's popped up, too. How many Big 12 wins will this team need? Um, I think we can say that right now they're 8-2. and two. We would not be surprised that they were 10-2 and two going into Big 12 play, correct? That's 11-1 and one last year, 10-2 and two this year. So, okay, going to have to win some games. West Virginia did not do that last year. The trouble is that quantity and quality are different. Like if you beat, you know, Iowa State twice, Oklahoma State twice, Oklahoma twice, and you get Kansas State once, right? That's seven. Cool. Seven eleven, that might do it. But that's different than getting seven where you get a couple picked off of the big teams here too. So quality, quantity is difficult here. But I do feel like eight, almost against no matter what, will get you in. Seven's harder. There's some historical precedent there that's hard to make a case for seven, but I don't see a way that West Virginia wins 10 in the Big 12 and is out of the tournament. Now I'm with you. I'm trying to I'm trying to quickly as you're talking pull up my preview cuz I don't want to stray from my predictions in the preseason. Got to stick to it cuz not too much has changed about my thoughts on the team. I think I had them maybe going 
Now I had them going nine and three. I don't think I think they'll be ten and two. Um, because I don't see them losing these last couple of non-conference games. But eight and ten in the Big Twelve conference, I think I think that gets you in eight and ten, especially if you start if you're yeah, even with a loss to Auburn, if you're sitting there ten and three, so eight and ten, twenty. Wait, do the math for me on that. What is that? 18 and 13 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're 18 and 13 with eight wins in the big 12, you're in like, I'm not even, I, I don't, unless something drastically changes about our, our, our outlook on this entire conference as a whole, I'm not even listening to arguments to the contrary on that one. So even cherry picking the eight low hanging fruit, you're okay with that. Mike said, I'm not listening to arguments to the contrary. Yeah, I think, honestly, and I think, like, that Auburn game, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but if you get eight in the Big 12, that Auburn game kind of doesn't matter. I know it's there in the middle of the end of January, but, like, if you get eight and ten in the Big 12, like, you're not hanging everything up on that Auburn game. Like, well, they only won eight, but they got Auburn. I don't think it matters. Conversely, like, well, they got eight, they lost to Auburn. Well, they got eight in the Big 12. It's harder. Like, you have to look at the entire monster you're taking on there, which is what the Big 12 will be. Uh, Final two non-conference games before Big 12 play. Buffalo. Five and five, Chris. Mm. Someone told me they were good, and I was like, really? Let me look at that. And I was like, no, not not especially. Um, and then Stony Brook. A little different story this year. Three and seven. They did just beat Sacred Heart, though, so watch out. Watch out. Um, Mike? Mm-hmm. Is this the... Buffalo revenge game. The what was it? The Hartford Casino revenge game with Buffalo. They've had some games against Buffalo tournament games. Didn't one guy get like sixty against them one year? Yeah. What was that? Get what? What casino? It was like in a casino, right? No. Where was? I thought that was in a casino. That, game. that was Rhode no, Island. That, that was Rhode Island. But they did lose to Buffalo like in their season opener. Um, it was a season opener, and they lost. And like West Virginia was ranked like top twenty. Mm-hmm. Yep, there it is. 2018. And lost 99 to 94. Most in Morgantown. I think the most points ever against the Huggins team, correct? Yeah, 43 by Massenburg. That's who it was. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Mike, real quick. Yes or no, Jose Perez plays in one of these final two non-conference games. Yes. Yes? I think so. I'm okay. going to go yes. Like, I was I was told last weekend that they were trying to get some waivers done because they knew that semesters were ending, which means that you're eligible to play. You can't play in the first semester. You don't have to wait till the start of the second semester. You just can't play in the first semester. This is across the country. So you can Google it, and then some people did get waivers to go. Not Perez yet. But also, they have some time there, too. So um, I don't know how this works. And also, like, it's never been made completely clear as to whether they're trying to get him eligible for the second semester or just in general this season. We'll see. I don't know. Um, Oscar Shibway, is that a parallel? I don't know. Like he played the first semester here and wasn't eligible until the first semester at Kentucky. Like Perez practiced with his team. Did that mean he competed and he wouldn't be eligible? Like I, I have not been able to get a straight answer on that from people. And like, I just like people will not comment on it or even talk to me about it because it's just up in the air right now. But from the very beginning, they said that they believe he can be eligible for the start of the second semester. So we'll see. But if he doesn't play this year, ooh, that's going to be tricky too. But obviously 
the first semester is over, so he can play as soon as Saturday if he's a second semester guy. Got it. Time will tell. We'll try to take you through Buffalo, Stony Brook, all the way to the start of Big 12 play and see if uh, the optimism here has uh, more longevity than it did a season ago. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.